can't obsess over these things. These things don't last. Because we have a good Father who knows exactly what we need. Where are we setting our hearts? His kingdom should be our primary concern. When we set our heart on Him. Morning, welcome. Glad you'd be here with us this morning. Uh, my name's Ken. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Um, we have been uh, in a series called The Jesus Way this semester, and we're continuing that this morning. Um, I want to read uh, our passage this morning is potentially a familiar one for some of you, especially those of you who've been maybe walking with the Lord for a little while. Um, so I want to read the passage, and then uh, we'll, talk, we'll spend some time looking at it a little bit closer. Uh, so if you want to follow along, we're in Luke this morning, Luke 12. Uh, if you have Bibles, you can turn there, or if you want to look on your phone, if you want to look on your phone at the Bible app, that's allowed, that's okay. I don't, I'm not your dad, you guys can do what you want, but I'd love for you, if you give your phone out, that you're looking at the Bible, but whatever, glad that you're here, and we'll pray that, trust that God's going to do what he wants. So uh, I, um, you guys ready? Luke 12? Okay. Verse 22, starting there. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the flowers, the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the, the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I want to take a look at those verses a little bit closer, but before we do, I think it's important um, to get a sense of uh, what else is going on in this passage. Uh, and Jesus is teaching this teaching, and many of you have probably heard this or read it um, and are familiar with it. Um, I want to just take a step back on what he was doing and teaching right before this. So you're in Luke 12 already. Um, I want to look at uh, this, sto this story right before it in verse 13. I'm not going to read it. <clears throat> I'm just going to kind of tell you the story so you can follow along if you want, make sure I'm not 
you know, staying in line with what the text says. But uh, this guy comes to Jesus and says, hey, can you tell my brother uh, to give me my share of the inheritance? Like, I want, I want mine. Uh, and Jesus was like, um, I'm not really here for that. So no, I can't do that. I can't tell you, I can't tell you him to do that. Um, but Jesus knew what was in their hearts and he responded to that. He said, watch out for greed. Life isn't about having a bunch of things. So he tells this parable in response to this question that he received about this rich man. The rich man uh, has this land and it produces a whole lot of crops, a whole lot of, a huge harvest. Um, So it's important to note that this is a rich man. He's already rich. And then uh, he gets this huge, pulls in this huge harvest and he doesn't know what to do with it. What am I to do? So uh, he decides he'll tear down all the barns that he has and build bigger ones so he can hold all of this harvest that he has just collected. Not only that, uh, he says, uh, in one translation, he says to his soul, this is literally what it says, he says to his soul, soul, you've, now, not, now I'm paraphrasing, but I just think it's funny. He says to his soul, soul, you've got enough for years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He actually thinks, okay, soul, I'm talking to you now, take it easy. You've done everything you need to do. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then God says to the man, comes to the man, says, you're going to die tonight. And then the the irony is God uses the same word that he uses for soul, talking about himself. He says, your soul will be required of you, is required of you. So who's going to get all this stuff that you set aside for yourself? Then in verse 21, right before the verses we just read, it says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So I think it's important to take these verses today about do not worry um, in light of this passage uh, and this parable before because they are very much connected. So then to the teaching for us for today, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So in those first two verses, it says life. Don't worry about your life for your life is more than food. The word there for life is the same word as soul in the, pre- the, the verses previous. So in five verses, the word soul is used uh, five times. When you're reading scripture, it's important to pay attention when things are repeated. This is repeated five times in five verses The rich man says to his soul, soul, take it easy. And then God says, your soul is going to be demanded from you. And then Jesus says, don't worry about your soul. Your soul is more than food. It's very much absolutely connected to uh, this teaching Jesus has about not worrying is absolutely connected to the parable of the rich man. So Jesus then commands uh, us, the disciples, he's speaking specifically to the disciples here, to not worry. Do not worry. Worry, if you look it up in a dictionary, simply is mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually from something uh, anticipated or impending. So mental, I like that. That's, That's a good picture for me. Mental distress or agitation is worry. Jesus says, do not worry. Other translations say, do not be anxious. It's a restless, anxious care that Jesus is saying, Don't do that. (laughs) 
And Jesus is specific. What, okay, don't worry, but don't worry about these specific things. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Don't worry about your life, your soul. <laughs> Specifically, the food and clothing. He's very specific. Don't worry about food and clothing. That uh, was a common need for people in the first century. Many, many probably struggled to know when their next meal was coming. Those are legitimate needs that people had. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about them. Jesus says you don't need to have mental distress or agitation from concern over what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Why is that? <laughs> well, he's going to get to that. One commentator translates that, do not worry, as you can quit worrying, <laughs> And I like that because it's like, oh, something new has happened. You can stop worrying now because Jesus, which we'll get, we're going to get to. So the, Jesus goes on, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Consider the ravens, Jesus says. They're fed. They're taken care of. They don't store up in barns. Again, going back to the parable of the rich man who tore down his barns and built bigger barns so he could store up all the things for himself. You're much more important than birds, Jesus says. If you didn't know, it's good news for you this morning. You are more important than birds, okay? You are. You are made in God's image, each and every one of you. Humankind from the beginning was set apart from all of the rest of God's creation because we are made in his image, all of us. <laughs> What's interesting, the ravens specifically were considered unclean in the Jewish tradition. So uh, they were an unclean bird in Jewish, uh, in Jewish faith. And so the fact that God cares about birds is one thing, but the fact that God cares about dirty birds is even like a whole nother level, right? Um, dirty bird, that's kind of funny to say that. I realized that as I said it. Um, but they're dirty birds, right? And so uh, to the Jewish people, uh, so God takes care of even the ravens. I'm sure Jesus was specific about that on purpose. He takes care of even the unclean animals. He is working and has authority and is sustaining everything on earth. And if he's taking care of the birds, surely he will take care of us. We can trust him to take care of our needs. So he goes on. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? If Jesus still hasn't convinced you uh, that worrying is not helpful, he asks now, what does worry accomplish? Okay, well, you, so you want to worry. Okay, great. What does it accomplish for you? <laughs> he says, he asks, does it actually change anything for the better? Can you add a single hour to your life? The translation there is a little bit cloudy. Also, it could, it could be written, uh, you probably have a footnote. Can you add 18 inches to your height by worrying? No, of course not. You, you can't do that. You can't even add an hour to your life or 18 inches to your height by worrying about it. So why do you worry about anything? You can't do that small thing. Why do you worry about anything? Jesus' point here is worry accomplishes nothing. It's, a, it's wasted time and effort. And I was thinking about that this week, and 
that worry doesn't accomplish anything and actually recognize that worry actually does accomplish something. There actually is fruit that comes from our worry, from our anxiousness, from our mental, uh, from our, uh, what is it, what did I, what did I, how did I define it? Our mental distress or agitation. There, there is fruit that comes from that, especially when there's a lot of mental distress and agitation. <laughs> and the fruit is poor health. <laughs> our thoughts, our worried thoughts consume us. There's, our productivity is disrupt, disrupted. Uh, we have stress and our body, our physical body feels the stress. It negatively affects the way we treat other people. It limits the, our ability to trust God. Worry, mental uh, distress and agitation actually can subtract hours from your day, ironically. You can't add hours to your day. Anxiety quite literally can shorten one's life. So Jesus is saying, look, it's not worth all the effort that you're putting into this. You're not getting anywhere by worrying about these things. goes on. Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So consider the flowers. Again, plants. Flowers are not made in God's image, but he takes care of them. They don't strain hard to grow. They just grow, and they're beautiful, and they're majestic, and then they're gone the next day. Again, Jesus was reminding us of God's authority in our world, and his, specifically, his sustaining activity in this place, down to the smallest detail. So if he has the flowers covered, he's got the birds covered, we can count on him to have our back. Then verse 29 says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. I specifically chose this, this NIV, I've been reading the NIV translation today because of this verse 29. These three verses, 29, 30, and 31, uh, there are two different words used. In some translations, they use all the same words, seek. So in the ESV, they use seek for all three, in all three verses. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. There's two different Greek words used there that are translated as seek all three times in uh, the, the, specifically the ESV translation. The NIV translates them a little bit differently, I think, get at more of the depth of the meaning. Verse 29, the Greek word uh, seek is, to, is translated in the NIV as set your heart, to seek something in order to find it, to strive after, to aim at. It's a simple kind of seeking. So don't, not only does Jesus say, don't be worried, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't actually, don't set, don't set your heart 
on what you're going to eat or drink. Then in verse 30, it says, the pagan world, the nations of the world seek after these things, or the NIV says, the pagan world runs after such things. This is a different Greek word, um, and it is uh, to wish for, to crave, to seek diligently. Um, one uh, commentator translates that word as uh, to obsess. It's like a possessed seeking. And Jesus is saying, don't be like the world. Don't run after these things. Don't obsess over these things, what you'll eat and what you'll drink. So I know um, for us today, clothes and food probably are not something that we, most of us, worry about or feel anxious about or uh, obsess over. I don't know, some of you might obsess over clothes. I mean, that's the thing, I guess, but um, obviously I don't. But some people do uh, obsess over clothes, but you're not worried about actually having clothes on your back. You're not worried about actually where your next meal is going to come from. Most of you in the room, I think, are probably in that boat. But there are people in our world, in our community, in this town, who don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And those are legitimate worries and le le legitimate needs and, and anxiety-producing providing. Pro producing mental uh, distress and agitation in people. But what is it, when we think about the world, what the, what the world today seeks after these things, is concerned, is obsessed with finding these things. What, are, what, do, you think, what do you think those things are? Maybe money, for sure. We do definitely obsess over money. We obsess over having power or prestige, getting the best job that pays the most money, living in a good house. Maybe we obsess over uh, our future. I know that is a thing, probably, for many of you, thinking about what is next. How are we going to, well, one, how are you going to graduate? Maybe you don't care about that. How are you going to get through this pandemic? Is a pandemic ever going to end? What's it look like on the other side? Is there another side? <laughs> Maybe you worry about um, whether or not you got 72 Insta likes on your pumpkin spice latte picture that you posted yesterday. Maybe you're worried and obsessing about um, the exam you failed this week, or you're worrying and obsessing over the exam you passed this week. Maybe you're worried and obsessed about who you're going to marry, if you're going to marry anyone, who knows. Those are all legitimate things. <laughs> Jesus does not want you to remove all your desire. The desire is, is, he's put it in there. He wants you to redirect it. We can't obsess over these things. These things don't last. None of these things is worth worrying about, and we should not set our hearts, Jesus says, on these things. Because we have a good father who knows exactly what we need. He cares about all of the things that you feel like you want and all the things that you need, and he knows what you need, and he cares about that, and he will take care of you. 
We don't have to run after. We don't have to obsess over all the things that the world obsesses over. And Jesus is instructing us because he knows that doesn't bring satisfaction. In the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, in in the Old Testament, it's a wisdom book uh, right after Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, It's a short book. Uh, It can be a challenging book to read. Uh, There's there's an author and a teacher, and the author is writing what the teacher has has instructed him in. And the teacher... um, has set out to go find, um, basically fulfill any desire his heart wants. He goes out and tries to fulfill it and searches the earth for, all, for, for good things and to be fulfilled by the earth. And what he comes back to, what he finds is that none of it satisfies, none of it. All his earthly pursuits, everything that he sought after under the sun, he says that a lot in Ecclesiastes, under the sun, on this earth, ultimately doesn't bring satisfaction. Meaningless, it says in Ecclesiastes, if you're familiar, it says that a lot. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Actually, the word there is uh, better translated vapor. Meaningless because you can't, vapor, you can't grab on to any of it. Nothing in this world lasts, nothing. That's why John, um, the Apostle John, writes in his letter, his first letter in verse, chapter, chapter 2, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So God is not saying, God so loved the world, right? We, <laughs> that's a verse many of us also know and are familiar with. God is not saying not to love the world. He's saying not to love the things of the world. We are not to set our hearts on what the world obsessively chases after. We're to be different from the world. We're to seek, verse 31 of, of Luke 12, we're to seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. All the other things will be given to you as well. So then we're back to this word seek again. Now this is the same word in verse 29 for seek that the NIV translates as set your heart. And that's what has stood out to me. We need to set our heart on his kingdom. His kingdom should be our primary concern. The Matthew version of Jesus' teaching uh, here is almost word for word the same in Luke and in Matthew. But uh, at the end here in this, in this passage, this verse, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and the rest of what you need will come along with it. That's my paraphrase, but. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That is our primary thing. That is where our hearts should be set as on him and his kingdom and his righteousness. Something else I think it's important to point out is that uh, It's his kingdom and his righteousness. We're not to set our heart on making a way for us to be in his kingdom. We're not to set our heart on our own minuscule little kingdom. We're not to set our heart on our own righteousness. We're to set our heart and all of our attention and focus should be on him and his kingdom and his righteousness. 
And then he goes on to say, do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He is pleased to give you the kingdom. He's not reluctant. He is pleased to give it. He's pleased to give his kingdom and his righteousness to us through Jesus. Through Jesus, we have security as his heirs. Children of our Father, our God, our good Father in heaven to live in his kingdom and help him bring his kingdom here. And that starts now, and it goes to forever All the rest of this stuff passes away. So that's why Jesus goes on to finish these last two verses. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All this stuff passes away. (laughs) Moth Destroys, thieves, steal, time wears everything out. None of it lasts. So Jesus says, sell what you can. Doesn't say sell everything. Sell what you can, give away what you can, because you can't take it with you. (laughs) And that's a really tangible way for you to seek his kingdom and his righteousness Very tangible, practical. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Giving to those in need so they don't have to worry about where their next meal is going to come from or when they're going to have better clothes on their back. And that action is confirmed by Jesus in, at the end of Matthew. Jesus is giving a teaching, Matthew 25. You, know, you can turn if you want. I'm just going to read really briefly. But he's teaching about um, when the Son of Man comes, who will come with him? Those will be part of his kingdom. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So when we, sell all, when we sell things, when we give to the poor, those who need, who are, who are legitimately worrying about food and clothing and other needs, we're feeding Jesus. <laughs> we're serving and living the way he's calling us to live in his kingdom. That is the way of his kingdom. Not to hoard what we have for our own selfish pleasure. Not to live for ourselves only. Going back to the rich man in the parable, he really was only thinking about himself. He was, one, he was already rich. It struck me. He was already rich. And then he had this huge, it's like, it's like Jeff Bezos, right? He's already rich. And then a pandemic happens and no one shops anywhere except Amazon. And he's like, well, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. 
I guess I'll just tear everything down and build bigger barns so I can have and keep it all for myself. Never once, it doesn't seem like he thinks about giving it away to other people. So he has plenty, right? And then Jesus goes into this teaching about do not worry. Don't worry about your food and clothing and where that'll come from. Your father knows that you need it. So it's easy for the man to think only about himself when he's got all this stuff. It's also easy for us when we have nothing or we have lack to have worry and anxiety and to set our hearts on all the things that we don't have. And I was struck this week um, in these verses, um, it is, this is about worry, right? Jesus is, is very clear in saying, don't worry. It's, it's clear that we shouldn't worry, and he, he gives convincing reasons. I think the bigger problem for us is the constant focus on ourself. And how all of our emotion and heart energy goes to making sure all of our earthly needs are satisfied. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus says. Whatever you set your heart on is where your heart will rest or not rest and find peace or not have peace. That's what Jesus is saying. Wherever you set your heart is where your heart will rest and find peace or not rest and not find peace. Jesus is saying, you are not gonna find rest and peace by chasing after and obsessing over all of these things of the world that I will take care of. So my question for us this morning is, where are we setting our hearts? What place do your possessions have in your heart? Maybe it's not possessions for you. Maybe it's something else. I don't, I don't know what it is. What, what, are you, what are you setting your heart on today? I know my heart is often set on my own comfort and things going smoothly for me and nothing getting in the way of things going smoothly for me. And then when things don't go smoothly for me, <laughs> things it gets rough because my heart is set on that. Jesus knows what I need. Jesus knows what you need. We don't want our hearts to settle into all that we don't have or all that we do have because it's not gonna get us very far. The things that the world gives us aren't real life. We want those things because we think that will make us safe. We think we'll feel comfortable, have security. But because moth and rust and thieves, none of it lasts. And when we look for security in those things, what it becomes is anxiety. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's trying to liberate us from the anxiety about gaining or obsessing over all these things that the world obsesses over that we, and that we can obsess over because the world shows us how. 
when we seek after all of the things that the world seeks after, we get them and our hearts are just bound up here. When we seek treasure in heaven, our hearts and our minds, our eyes will be fixed on heaven and not ourself and our circumstances, whether they're good or bad. Our hearts are set on something else, something that lasts, that's eternal, his kingdom. We're to set our hearts on his kingdom and his righteousness. So we need to take time to learn what, that, what the kingdom, living in his kingdom looks like, to pray, to read his word, to obey, to practice, to live it out, and to pursue it with our whole heart, to set our heart on his kingdom and his righteousness, not on ourself. I think there's also a temptation uh, with this passage to, to, to over-spiritualize it a little. Food and clothes do matter. Our things that we have uh, and, and don't have matter to God. They matter to us, but they also matter to God. <laughs> he knows what we need. <laughs> I think there is another question for us is that are we willing to share? Are we willing to sell some of the things so we can give to others that don't have that we have, what we have? That's having a kingdom mindset to think about other people other than ourselves. That's how we seek his kingdom, and his righteousness in our life. When we set our heart on him and his way. So I don't know what that means for you. Maybe, um, well, I do think, I do think this, but when we take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our own lives, off of our own selfish anxiety for the things that we have or don't have, then we can focus our eyes on where and be anxious even about who doesn't have and who needs to receive from the Lord from us and through us. First Timothy 6 says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. This is Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, one of his disciples uh, who's overseeing a church. Uh, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The Father knows what we need. Command them, Paul goes on, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. <laughs>